0: Qualakim has been supporting the water treatment community since 1990. When it comes to blending your products, you have many companies to choose from. Why choose Qualakim? Because Qualakim support staff contains three certified water technologists. Qualakim ships your product from either Virginia or Nevada. So wherever you are, Qualakim's got you covered. Qualakim can provide you with technical applications, sales and lab support. To find out more about Qualakim, go to ScalingUpH2O.com forward slash Qualakim. Once again, that's ScalingUpH2O.com forward slash Qualakim. At Qualakim, we know the blender matters. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, and this is the start of Legionella Awareness Month. Now, we've been doing this for several years now, and you might remember back when we were all on the stay at home orders and the world was just going crazy, we had conferences all the time before that, but then everything was canceled. And the Legionella Conference, the Prevention of Disease and Injury from Waterborne Pathogens in Healthcare Conference, was scheduled to take place August 19th through 21st, 2020. And they announced that they were canceling that conference. And the great staff here at the Scaling Up H2O podcast thought that that was a great opportunity for us to make sure that even though we couldn't go to a conference, information still came freely to you via the Scaling Up H2O podcast. So we started that back in 2020. And they are some of the most listened to episodes that we do. So we've been doing that each and every year. Now, we don't really celebrate Legionella, but we do celebrate getting better information out there for each other and our clients. We need to be able to counsel our clients so they can make the best decisions possible. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be celebrating Legionella Awareness Month. And if you want to dig into all of the tools that we have collected throughout the years, all about Legionella, Go to our website, scalinguph2o.com forward slash Legionella, and you will find a treasure trove of information at your fingertips so you can dive even deeper into this topic and make sure that you've got the best information at your disposal when somebody asks you about Legionella. Of course, we're going to be talking about Legionella this entire month for all the people that signed up for the CWT practice exam course. And of course we were given a discount to celebrate the 4th of July. And I guess that's what it took. People just needed a little bit more incentive and that slight discount. So many people signed up and you invested in yourself and you are on your way to obtaining your certified water technologist designation. Now, if you're in the same type of water treatment that I am, this is the designation that you want to get to prove to everybody that you are among the elite in the water treatment industry. And just think, having those three letters after your name says so much to your clients, to your potential clients, to your supervisors, and everybody you come in contact with in this industry about the type of industrial water treater that you are. Now, if you were not one of those people that took advantage of that promotion, don't worry, it's still available, and you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash cwtprep, and that will be all of the information that you want to know. Now, maybe you want to get a little taste about what that course is you can sign up for a free version of that course. And that is yours truly going through the CWT exam handbook that you will receive from the Association of Water Technologies. I go through everything through that handbook so you know what you have to do in order to get and keep your certification and all of that is free to you. Of course, it's my hope you then go ahead and subscribe to the practice exam course where this will get you in the mode to start taking a standardized test. It will get you into the mindset to start thinking about how questions might be asked. What are some of the different things that you could be asked? Now, keep in mind, I have no idea what you're going to be tested on on that exam, but I can get you prepared for taking an exam and that's exactly what that is. So one more time, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWTPrep. Nation, today is one of my favorite shows. It's when I'm answering questions from the Scaling Up Nation. Yes, that's right. We are opening up the Scaling Up H2O mailbag But before we take the bow off of that mailbag, I've got a couple of events that you might want to put on your calendar. The 10th Annual International Water Association and Water Engineering Specialist Conference is being held in Brisbane, Australia, September 10th through 14th. And this is where they develop better engineering around biological processes and urban water recycling based on the knowledge of underlying microbiological ecology and all the things they're like. So if that sounds like something that you are interested in, go to our show events page and we will have all of that information for you. Also, the 2023 Water Reuse Texas Conference is taking place September 20th through 22nd in Frisco, Texas. So if you want to learn more about this conference, and this is all about water reuse and all the people that are involved in that sector, we'll have that information on our show events page. Coming up October 4th through 7th in Grand Rapids, Michigan, we have the AWT Annual Conference and Expo. This, of course, is an event that we are always at with the Scaling Up H2O podcast, and I will be there, and I get to meet so many people at this conference that listen to this podcast So I hope to see you there. To find out more information about the AWT Annual Conference, please go to scalinguph2o.com and go over to our events page. There is always something to do in the water sector. It's just difficult to keep track of all of it. So that's why the team here at Scaling Up H2O is making it very easy for you to find what you need to be going to. You can go over to our show events page and everything is listed out in calendar format. And you can very easily add events to your calendar and go to the event pages themselves to get you registered for whatever conference you see fit. So thanks again for the fine staff here at Scaling Up H2O. Nation, as I just mentioned, this is one of my favorite episodes because we are answering your questions questions. So here we are. We are opening up the Scaling Up H2O mailbag. And the first question I have is, what is Legionella? And that's a simple question, but it's also a very complex question. And it really depends on who's asking the question. So if we're just talking to maybe a client that doesn't know much about Legionella. We're gonna tell them that Legionella is a type of bacteria that can cause a severe respiratory illness called Legionnaire's disease. And the bacteria is commonly found in all natural water sources. And the problem is, is when we start cycling up in man-made systems such as plumbing systems, cooling towers, hot tubs, spas, decorative fountains, that Legionella, because it likes a temperature range of around 90 to 120, can really grow rampant throughout the system. Now, just because we have a system that has a lot of Legionella bacteria in it, does not necessarily mean that somebody is going to get Legionnaire's disease. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about the differences between the two and what the illness uh, symptoms are. These are all questions that people are asking. But I really want to make sure that we get our nomenclature straight. So Legionella is the bacteria. Very important that we call it correctly. Legionnaire's disease is the disease that's caused by the bacteria. Now I'm trying not to say everything all at once because we have all these different questions here. The next question is, how does Legionella bacteria cause illness? For those microbiologists out there, you can have a field day studying how Legionella bacteria works, how it propagates, how it does all the things it does throughout its life cycle. But for our purposes, we are not going to go that deeply. We're just going to talk about that if we have Legionella in a water source, if we drink that water, we are most likely not going to get Legionnaire's disease because it has to go in through the lungs. Now, maybe we aspirate some of that water, and that changes all bets, but we have to inhale infected water droplets. It goes into our lungs, and then as it starts to go through its life cycle, depending on the person that it is infecting, it might not affect them at all. It might affect them slightly, and it might become full-blown Legionnaire's disease. Again, That is when the bacteria causes pneumonia. So I tried to put all of these in order so they build on each other. And it's hard for me to stop in the middle of a conscious thought so I can answer another question. But we're going to try to do it together here on this podcast. Another question says, what are the symptoms of Legionnaire's disease? And then also isn't there something else that it's called? Well, Legionnaire's disease is Legionnaire's disease, but I think what they mean is Pontiac fever. So let's go back to that previous question. So if we inhale contaminated water droplets, we could get sick, we may not get sick. So let's say we don't get sick, we don't have to worry about it. Let's say we start getting mild flu-like symptoms. Now this is not pneumonia. And this is actually the Pontiac fever that I alluded to earlier. Now this normally will appear one to three days after exposure. It lasts up to about five days. It normally does not require any hospitalization. And about 95% of the population is exposed to it. It has probably had it. And if you're working around cooling towers and other things, you have probably had this at some point in your lifetime. You probably thought it was a flu, a bad cold, and you were fine within a couple of days. That's Pontiac fever. So now let's talk about Legionnaire's disease. And another term for it is legionellosis. Again, we like to throw a whole bunch of terms here in our industries. I don't know why we do that, but so many things mean the same thing. Now this is pneumonia. Legionnaires' disease is the pneumonia that's caused by the Legionella bacteria. Now this can be potentially fatal and it is a respiratory illness. Like we said, it is pneumonia. Symptoms like this as high fever, chills, muscle pain, headache, a dry cough, diarrhea, vomiting, confusion, delirium could also be common with this. Typically, this appears 2 to 10 days after exposure and uh, recovery can take a long time and about 5% of the population is susceptible to this when they are exposed. Now, typically, the at-risk people for Legionnaire's disease are immune-suppressed. People that might be on chemotherapy or after transplants with uh, immunosuppressants. Maybe they're taking steroids. Smokers are actually more susceptible to get this pneumonia, people with lung disease. People that are generally sick or in poor health and the elderly and infirm. So the bottom line is a weakened immune system can't fight off this bacteria. So that's why these are more at-risk individuals. Another question might be, well, how do you treat Legionnaire's disease? And Legionnaire's disease is treated with uh, macrolides, and that's a specific type of antibiotics, and you're probably familiar with some of the name brands. So one is azithromycin, that's a Z-Pack. Another one is levofloxin. Tetracycline is a, another one. So if you maybe had the onset of getting Legionella, maybe it was just presenting as a mild flu, and they put you on one of these, most likely it just knocked it out. If they were to do a test to figure out if you had Legionella bacteria in your system or not, and they, and they actually found it, they would most likely prescribe one of those antibiotics that I just mentioned. Another question asks, how do you know you have Legionella bacteria in your body? Well, how do you know? Most likely you'll have some symptoms. Well, that doesn't tell you anything. And then they would take a sample and uh, the sample might might start off with an X-ray to see if you have pneumonia. And then if they suspect Legionnaire's disease, they'll do a urine test, or maybe they do a lab test on uh, on a lung biopsy, or maybe a sample of the phlegm that you have in your lungs. Now a question that wasn't asked, but I'm sure somebody's wondering, is how do you test for it in the system? And many of us have taken Legionella samples, and of course there are all sorts of different labs across the world, but typically they will take a suspected system and they will take a sample. There's uh, a preservative that's in the sample and then uh, they actually send that to a lab and then there's a culture period, they read that culture, and then they let us know if it was positive. And it's not just if it was positive or if it was not detected. it was how much was actually positive. Now, this question wasn't asked, but I think it's always important when we talk about testing, It is very important for you to know what you are going to do if you get a positive and what you're going to do at the different levels of getting a positive. So everybody thinks if they don't do their research that the only reasonable test to get back or the only good test to get back is non-detect. Well, what if you get a very small amount? If you send a test and you haven't had a conversation with your customers and have a plan into effect what you're going to do when you receive those results, folks, you probably tested too early. Know what you're gonna do with your client and it's their decision. They've gotta make these decisions before you start testing. And then you should have a plan for what you're going to do through all of the different milestones that you might hit of Legionella bacteria colonies, so maybe something from uh, less than 100, maybe something less than 1,000, maybe something over 1,000, I don't know. However you do it, you need to make sure you know what the action is going to be before you get that positive result back. Otherwise, The client's going to assume that anything that is not non-detectable is going to be an alarm. Okay, well, it could be an alarm, but what are we going to do about that alarm? And if we don't know, we should probably figure it out before we send that test in. Another question asks, can one person infect another person with Legionnaire's disease? And the answer is no, we have never seen a case where that has happened. Like I said earlier, you have to get it through infected water droplets and you inhale that and then it starts growing into the lungs. Uh, I have never heard of a case where somebody has sneezed on somebody or coughed on somebody and now they have spread Legionella that way. So with that, it's infected water droplets. And in fact, Janet Stout, who's always a great supporter of the Scaling Up H2O podcast, she says one of the largest Legionella colonies that she's ever seen was in a water sample at a grocery store where they just had a reservoir of water that just kept recirculating and recirculating until it would mist over all of the produce. And she said when she tested that, that was one of the highest Legionella samples that she had ever tested. And that was going into a mister. It's going into a distribution device. So not really what you want there, but we're learning more all the time. And that was an older story that she had told me from a while ago. So now we know a lot better. And hopefully those, if they're still in existence, those systems are getting treated. Our next question is, how did Legionella get its name? Well, Legionella sounds like Legion, sounds even more like Legionnaires. So the American Legion was having their conference in 1976 in Philadelphia at the Bellevue Stratford Hotel. And as you can imagine, all of these veterans were coming together and most of them were over 70 years old. We already talked about how a weakened immune system, and typically this is in the elderly, can be more susceptible to getting Legionnaires disease. Well, they had a great time at this venue. They went home, they started getting sick and over a hundred of them died. Well, folks, nobody knew what was going on back then. And people were wondering, was a foreign body invading us? Were they trying to kill our veterans? Uh, If you looked at Time Magazine, uh, they're talking about uh, tracking the Philly killer. Uh, Newsweek says the mystery of the killer fever. They had no idea what was going on. Of course, biologists were looking into this, And they found a specific type of bacteria that they had not seen before. Now, we all know Legionella bacteria has been around for a long time, but until it was discovered, we didn't know about it. We definitely didn't know about what it did, and we did not have a name for it. So the microbiologist went ahead and gave it the name of Legionella to honor where it was found at the American Legion Convention. So now you know... Uh, And by the way, if you're wondering, they found it at that hotel in the cooling tower. Yes, that's right, you heard it here, the cooling tower. So now Legionella is always put together with the cooling tower. And if there is ever an outbreak, they always look at the cooling tower first. Now the poor cooling tower is presumed guilty until proven innocent, But that just means that we need to talk to our clients, make sure they understand that, and we need to make sure they know all the options of the choices they have to make sure that they're doing their due diligence to keep not just the cooling tower, but all of their water systems within their facilities as risk-free as possible. Now, notice I didn't say annihilated of all Legionella, I said as low risk as possible. Now with that, you are never going to get zero Legionella bacteria. It's coming in in the raw water. It's coming from our lakes, rivers, and streams. But what we can do is not allow it to concentrate up in systems that we are not monitoring and treating. And that's the conversation that we have to have with our clients. So it's not no Legionella, it's no Legionnaire's disease. That means we don't want people getting sick. Somebody else writes in and they wanna know what the difference is between testing for Legionella and a water management plan. Well, that's a great question. And a water management plan, in my opinion, is something that everybody should And if you live in New York, there are laws that say you will do certain things because they have laws around Legionella and how you're testing for it, how often you're testing for it and what you are doing about it. So Legionella in New York is taken very seriously because that's where one of the first outbreaks happened right after we had ASHRAE's 188 published. Now, the fine folks of New York just took part of that 188 document, and that was about the cooling tower. So there, of course, is a lot more that we have to worry about than just the cooling tower, and it is the complete water system throughout that facility. And that's what a water management plan is. Just testing is not a water management plan. Now it could be part of a water management plan. And we're gonna have the CDC toolkit for Legionella water management plans on our website. So we're gonna have the CDC toolkit, which talks exactly about this question and how to establish water management plans. And that is gonna be available on scalinguph2o.com forward slash Legionella. As I mentioned on the top of this show, we're gonna have all of our resources there. We've had all of our resources there, and we're gonna make sure that we keep that up to date so you have one place to go to find all of your Legionella related questions and resources. So let's go ahead and talk about that just briefly because the Legionella Toolkit the CDC put out is very simple. It's got pictures in it, so that, everybody loves that, right? Well, it talks about how you are going to establish if you are in a building that's considered at risk. So there's going to be four questions that it asks you. And it's gonna ask you if uh, your building is a healthcare facility where people are staying overnight. And if that's yes, well, then you're gonna need one of these. Next question is gonna ask you is, does your building primarily house people over 65 years of age? And then it's gonna ask you, does your building have multiple housing units with a centralized hot water system? And then finally, does your building have more than 10 stories? If you answered yes to any of those, then you're supposed to have a water management plan. And then there are four more questions. Does your building have a cooling tower? Okay, well, it's recommended that you have a water management plan. Does your building have a hot tub? It's recommended that you have a water management plan. Does your building have a decorative fountain? And then finally, does your building have a centrally installed mister, atomizer, air washer, or humidifier? So, again, all these things can be distribution devices that Legionella can use, and then you can inhale infected. So if you answer yes to any of those, it is recommended that you have a water management plan. And a water management plan is not as complicated as I think people make it out to be. There are seven steps, and I'm gonna just read them to you. Number one is establish a water management program team. So who is the team that's gonna be on it? And it's not just gonna be you and the engineer, It's gonna be people that understand healthcare. It's gonna be people that understand the facility. It's gonna be people that understand who is in the facility. We're getting all of these people together and they're going to become the program team. Next, we're going to describe the building water system using flow diagrams. So how is the water coming into the building and what are all the points that water goes through the building? Next, we're going to identify areas where Legionella can grow and spread from that document. We're then going to decide what the control measures need to be, how we're going to apply and monitor those. So, On that diagram, if we decide that the cooling tower is an area where Legionella can grow and spread, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to measure it? How are we going to maintain it? How are we going to then establish, this is number five, ways to intervene when the control limits are not met? And then we're making sure the program is running as designed and that's just simply we're doing exactly what the program is telling us to do. And if everything looks good, we're going to document that everything looks good. But if we miss one of those control measures, we now have something that we can do. We all know that if we get a positive test that comes back at a designated rate, we can then go to whatever that designated rate is and within our plan and we can take that action. And then finally, we're documenting everything. We are communicating everything. Everything is getting written down and then we are constantly learning and figuring out how do we make this plan better because now not only have we written the plan, we followed the plan in this specific system. We're learning more about the system. And as we learn those items, we're continuously updating the plan. Folks, that's what it is. I know a lot of people kind of fear away from that, uh, but it's because I don't think they've looked into it. And a lot of your clients think that if they don't test for it, it doesn't matter. Or they think if they don't do research, it doesn't matter. And ignorance just is not an acceptable defense. So make sure you know how to have that conversation with your clients because when you do, they can make better decisions. And most likely, they are going to turn to you to help them with that. Nation, my last question asks... What is the latest outbreak of Legionnaire's disease? Now, I'm going to be honest with you, and I think you all know this, this show is not live. So when I am recording this show, and I'm using Google to do a search on this, it says that uh, in May, there were 12 cases in Lithuania. And those 12 cases, two were hospitalized, and that's all it says. So there might be some more current information about it. I don't see anything in the United States that's happened recently, but maybe my Google is not searching as well as it should. And I'm sure if you are curious about that and you have access to some of the fine microbiologists that we have here on the Scaling Up H2O podcast, they would know that information. So all I'm able to do is just look up what's online And folks, here is what I want to read into this question, is when is it time for us to do something? So here in Atlanta, we had an outbreak a couple of years ago, and I have to say, I really thought we were going to be the next New York, and there was going to be legislation that we were going to have to do similar things that the folks have to do in New York, and it never came. But we decided that we were going to get ready for that and we are having conversations with our clients. Some are very appreciative and they want to do whatever they can do and others said, you know what, we're going to wait until we're told what to do. It is my advice to all of you that you learn what you should be discussing with your clients so they can have the best information. Now, the biggest thing that our clients get confused on is they think that us as the water treater are responsible for Legionella bacteria in their system. And if they get Legionella bacteria in their system, it is a fail of their water treatment program. And let's face it, that's fair. If you don't understand what it is that we're talking about, why not think that? But folks, it is up to us as industrial water treaters to make our clients more intelligent about Legionella bacteria and what water treatment does. So water treatment ensures that we don't have excessive corrosion. It ensures we don't have scaling in the system. It ensures that we don't have excessive dirt and debris in the system. And then it also has a microbiological component, but it's all about heat transfer. It's all about cleanliness. It's not about disease. Disease goes up and above a regular water treatment program. Our program is for equipment longevity and efficiency, not about eradicating a specific bacteria. Now, we need to have that conversation with our clients and make sure that they understand, one, what a water treatment program does and what a water management plan does and then fill in those gaps. So the better you can convey that information, the better your customer will understand it. And now you guys are working together because before that conversation, it's just a bunch of finger pointing and that's not fun. It is fun, however, when everybody is working from the same page, we're all working towards a common destination. And that's how we help clients, and that's how we ensure that they know how much that we do for them. And folks, I want to thank all of the people that have written in and asked questions about Legionella. We've learned a little bit about Legionella today, and we're going to learn a lot more about Legionella in the upcoming weeks. And let's face it. That's what this podcast is all about. How do we learn something that makes this job a little bit more fun? How do we learn something that makes us better at doing this job? And folks, let me tell you, if you are ever bored in this job, you are doing it poorly. You should never be bored in this job you should learn something new each and every day. And that's how I've never been bored in the many, many years that I have been an industrial water trader. The day I don't learn something, I start scolding myself and saying, you did not take advantage of this day. And I, of course, learned that from my dad. And I probably learned that from him because he was getting bored. And he said, hey, I don't have to get bored. I am in the best job on this planet. I'm an industrial water treater. Well, somebody who definitely agrees with what my father thought, what I thought, is James McDonald. He thinks that this is the best job on the planet. And here is a brand new installment of Periodic Water Table with James.
1: Hello and welcome to the Periodic Water Table with James, where we think and learn about water chemistry drop by drop. Please use your week to search online, ask your colleagues, or even pick up a book to learn more about each week's periodic water table topic. If you do, at the end of the year, you'll be 52 water chemistry smarter. So let's raise the water table of knowledge together and get started. Today's topic is, sodium hydroxide. This week's topic is a little basic, but let's go. What are all the uses for sodium hydroxide in industrial water treatment? How is the solubility of sodium hydroxide impacted by concentration and temperature? In what environments and what times of the year may this make a difference when shipping and using sodium hydroxide? What's the chemical formula for sodium hydroxide? What problems can it cause in an industrial water system? Why is sodium hydroxide used in some chemical product formulations? What safety precautions should be taken when handling sodium hydroxide? Why is sodium hydroxide also called caustic or caustic soda? Remember, knowledge is power, and taking the time to learn more about water chemistry each week will help make you a force to be reckoned with. Be sure to post what you learned to social media and tag it with hashtag WaterTable23 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O. I look forward to learning more from you.
0: Well, thank you, James and Nation. I will have a brand new episode for you next week. Try to learn something new about Legionella. And remember, we've got so many resources at scalinguph2o.com forward slash Legionella. Have a great week, folks.